did you want to do public schools? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Cool. I have lots of thoughts on public schools. Excellent. Because I was a very big advocate for them, like many Ooh, other things, until yes. I realized how awful they were. <laughs> public schooling definitely didn't help me achieve that, though. So let's start. <laughs> hey, Tim, how's it going? Hey, man, it's going fantastic. If it were going any better, I would be a retired liberal cabinet minister. That's how good it's you going. You already today, used that it? one. You already I used that one. Know. Yeah. I'm going to have to come up with some new material here. Yeah. And I, I'm including that in the clip, so we'll have to, uh, we'll keep it in this one too. All right. Um, so yeah, we want to talk about public schools. Uh, do you want mm -hmm. me to go first or, or would you like to start? Go, go. Shoot, man. All right. So I went to public schooling all, all of my, you know, grade one to 12 or kindergarten to grade 12 at, you know, coming out of it, I thought there was, I advocated it. Like my little sister goes to private school now. And I was trying to convince my dad it was bad um, because mainly because of like, it's not society, right? Like I viewed the benefit. I had a very diverse uh, friend group and like, it made me interact with people like I would in real life. And it's not like an isolated bubble. That was the main thing. But when I actually think of how public school was, it was like so useless to me. And it really, uh, you know, I very much resonate with any of, you know, many famous quotes around like, uh, you know, uh, total non-retention kept my, you know, education from being a burden to me. Um, and like things like that, because really I just sat there and had the time pass by. Um, you know, especially so, like I'm a relatively intelligent person and, I would just sit there waiting for them to teach everyone else everything right. um, often. And so, and then on top of that, you know, they, they, most of the teachers are indoctrinated to teach a specific, a very specific way. I, there's so many teachers that don't know, like I was more knowledgeable than some of the teachers as well, just cause I would actually think about the things more fully than them just regurgitating what's in the textbook and things like that as well. Um, and then on top of that, you have frustrations with, you know, I would just, I, I understood the system that like I was going to get to the next grade. I knew the thing. So I didn't have to actually do the work, right? I didn't right. have to do this work. And then I'd get punished, right? I would, I, and I would even try and rationalize with them like, or like, if I don't do the work, it's less for you to do. You don't have to mark this. Why are you punishing me for, for but it's like, this is the system. And so yeah. that's just how it's built is like, it's not built for you to think, right? Like it's not built for us to uh, create at all. It's it's built for us to memorize and regurgitate. Um, right. And 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 I, I it's so frustrating. And like there's no chance I would want my kids to go to any of these public school systems um, because I like I know what they did. And even into high school, it was very similar, right? You couldn't question um, things fully. Um, they, they didn't have good answers to any like important questions. And it right. just was about hammering in messaging. Um, sure. and, and, and I mean, it was so easy to game the system as well, if you really wanted to. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I just am completely like, it's, it's useless. And it really is just about churning out cubicle workers, right? Like I, I was talking with a few friends who are more on my path right now who can't fathom ever working for, you know, in a corporate environment again. But that's mm -hmm. how you're literally trained. You sit in a room eight hours a day. Yep. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. 
So it's and then you can just be transplanted from one desk to another desk. But it, it's it's so absolutely miserable. Right. And and um, I don't ha have you ever looked into the origins of public school and uh, read any John Taylor Gatto? I have not. No. OK, well, this it's pretty mind blowing when you look into it. Right. Because we can all see the thing. You know, he, he, John Taylor Gatto was an award winning New York uh, City school teacher, and he, he he was very well esteemed in his profession, recognized, and he finally quit because he couldn't <clears throat> couldn't take it anymore. He wrote this article called "The Seven Lessons School Teacher," uh, which talked about the seven lessons that he was teaching kids. And I'll just summarize them real quickly to you. And the first one is confusion. Um, everything is is done in a way that makes no sense, right? That the sequence of classes are arbitrary. The time mm -hmm. frames are arbitrary. Everything's, nothing is taught in context. Um, so that was the first thing. The second thing is class position, right? There's a class above you and a class below you, right? And what happens in school? You look up to those above you and you kind of disdain those below you. And quite often, yeah. you know, th this is common in school. You probably remember in public school, oh, you're just a grade two or, or Oh, yeah. I can't wait till I'm a grade seven or whatever, right? And, and yeah. it's these class position. It teaches you to be comfortable in a class position. Uh, the third one is indifference. Um, and, and so, you know, I'm supposed to care so much about this subject. And then when the bell rings, I'm supposed to not think about it anymore. And, you know, uh, even if my work isn't done, I'm just supposed to drop it and move on to the next thing. So it teaches oh, you indifference yeah. to... Work, and even right? grades too, right? Like you have to parent care passionately and, and for your life for this grade. But as soon as you finish the year, well, it doesn't matter at all ever again. Right. But it was all you cared about for a year. Yeah. The fourth thing is emotional dependency, right? We, we, you get stars and smiley faces and, and the teacher's happy if you do something right. He's sad if you do something wrong. Um, yeah. Intellectual dependency, right? Where, where do lessons come from? They don't come from you exploring the world. They don't come from you asking questions and, and experimenting. It, Teacher. It comes from an authority figure, right? Yeah. Uh, someone Teacher knows. You, right. Um, yeah. Provisional self-esteem. All the work you do is judged by someone else, right? So your, your worth, uh, the work you produce, that worth is determined by that authority figure. And yeah. And, and so your self-esteem is provisional. And the, and the seventh lesson is that you can't hide. Someone's watching you all the time and, yeah. and paying attention to that, right? Now, if you yeah. look into the, the origins of public school, it started in Prussia. And at that time, they wanted a, a system that would produce an obedient uh, military, uh, a military person, right? So, so yeah. they wanted so – so they – there's a reason why uh, desks are regimented. They're all oriented towards an authority figure. Um, that there's a, a school bell that you stop thinking about this thing and start thinking about another thing when that bell rings. Or even better, you you stand up, you march to the next classroom, you sit down, you reorientate to the next authority figure, and you and you start learning that subject, whatever the authority figure wants you to. I mean, th these were all specifically designed into public school. Uh, the idea that Learning comes from the authority figure, that everything is derived from him, yeah. uh, that, that uh, testing is not about you synthesizing, contextualizing and creating a thesis it, and, and supporting your, 
ideas with evidence. It's about rote memorization and regurgitation for the exact test. Here are the, the facts that you're expected to know. I want you to yeah. regurgitate them on this test, right? Um, and, and so all these things were then noticed by progressives like Horace Mann in North America who thought, you know, we've got this industrialized society. Um, we we want to make, you know, all these things that apply to military men would also be great for industrialized society. We need factory workers that yeah. pull levers for 12 hours a day. And, and, you know, so, so public school was explicitly designed to create a dumbed down compliant conformist citizenry. Um, yeah. And that's what was appealing about it. And I think in, in uh, some jurisdictions like Pennsylvania, before public education was implemented, the literacy rates were something like uh, uh, in the high 90s. You know, people read at a very high level. They were reading, um, you know, Charles uh, Dickens and they, they were reading, you know, Mark Twain. They were, they were reading at a very high level. Uh, after public schools, literacy rate in, in some, a lot of those jurisdictions has fallen considerably. Uh, so it's not true that public school was brought in to elevate the, the education and intellect of people, which is the story that we're always told. Um, in, in fact, it was brought in from the beginning as a tool to control people by government. And so, you know, it's bad enough that I have to fund someone else's kids going to school. So I have money stolen from me to pay for the public school system. Um, but the, the, the real travesty of public schools is that it is a tool there to indoctrinate the young and, and create a dumbed-down class of citizenry. And we see the, the byproducts of that uh, all over the place. Like, you know, in the last podcast, I think we talked about how people just can't see themselves as anything other than an, an employee, a cog in the wheel, mm -hmm. right? And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a real problem. Public school is creating a cultural crisis. Um, yeah. And honestly, uh, the reason I will have any success is, and, and I have success relative to my peers, is because I didn't pay attention in school ever. Right. Like I could not be bothered to. And I also noticed at a very young age how inherently just dictatorial it was. Like I couldn't believe how it like pushing back at all to my teachers, I was just like absolutely attacked. Right. Same with the right. principal. And like, uh, even things that like fundamentally I knew I was in the right. right. Um, and even like, you know, I remember there was a time we had, you know, we had a supply teacher. And so that's a substitute dictator who, um, you know, needs to assert their authority. He wouldn't let me go to the bathroom. And I was like, I, I just left because I had to go to the bathroom as humans do. And then I got detention. And like, there was another time like, it, and, and, you know, I re literally remember telling the principal once or the vice principal, like, I didn't do this because I didn't think it was fair. And he yelled at me at the top of his lungs, you, this is my school. You do not decide what is fair or unfair. I decide. And I was like, right. what? What do you yeah. like? And like, that's just the ecosystem. But people, even at a young, they, it's, it's taught to you at such a young age that people never challenge it, right? Right. Um, so, and, and, I, and, and I was the troublemaker. I, I, was, the, I was the pariah at, at, from a very young age already, right? Right. And so so you learn very early on to um, submit to the authority of people that were your inferiors. Right. Um, yeah. These, these people <laughs> weren't thinking as clearly as you were about the subject, yet you were just under their thumb. There was nothing you could do about it. And you yeah, had, you had to accept it. Right. And you know, that's and one the of same the... tension like that I've had 
you know, my first jobs. Like I was just expected to do what the boss said, even when it was wrong, even if it was bad against the company's overall goals. And right. like, like there's, just, I, I knew I couldn't work for anyone else because every, almost everyone else had, had this broken mindset, it seemed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, when I learned about the history of public school and I, I started reading some John Taylor Gatto and I realized um, the mistake I made as a parent sending my kids to public school, I, I immediately tried to pull them out. Right. And, you know, as I, I wanted to give them the choice, so I didn't want to be a dictator to them. Uh, mm. And so I tried very, you know, I tried over the course of a couple months to make the case to them. Um, because I saw all sorts of problems, right? On the one hand, I saw, you know, uh, my son struggling in school because he, I, he he was very similar to you and I, very, very intelligent. He could see how everything was bullshit and he was kind yeah. of very rebellious and he was falling in with the wrong crowd, right? Guys that, yeah. that uh, smoked a lot of pot and different things like that. And then on the other hand, I saw my my daughter, who I was even more worried about because she was super obedient and doing everything the teacher said and spending stressing about homework three hours a night she would often spend on homework yeah. learning the stupid lessons and she was no better off like she wasn't more um knowledgeable uh, about yeah. history or anything right she was just learning all these useless facts to regurgitate for a test so she could uh meet someone's expectations and so, yeah. so I, I started trying to pull them out and, and when people found out about this they thought i was nuts they're like well you know, what about socialization? What about, well, I'm like, that's the primary reason why I want to pull them out of public school. Like they're, they're not learning to socialize in a healthy manner. Like it might make some sense on one level that, that putting your kids in, in a maximum security prison would make them more adept at, at, uh, survival in the ghetto or something like that. Right. But yeah. I, I'm, I want my kids to rise out of the ghetto. I don't want them to be stuck in the same milieu as the rest of the slaves and the sheep. I want them to be uh, entrepreneurs with their, their minds on fire, charting their own destiny, not following the will of some corporate master yeah. for the rest of their life. And, and so, <laughs> you know, and, and so I, I laid out my case. I couldn't convince them because they were too attached to their peers. Yeah. And, that's and, the other, like, and, and, once your friends are built into that system, right. that is what keeps people hooked in. Right. Right. And I think we talked a bit about Gabor Mate when we, we did our episode on, on drugs. Yeah, uh, he, he's a psychiatrist that talks about the roots of addiction, right? But he he wrote another book that was very interesting. That was all about uh, peer attachment and how we, you know, by by sending your kids uh, to public education, um, you are cutting yourself off from them, right? You're you're um, relinquishing your responsibility or your authority as a parent to the state, and because like yeah. And so that you can go off and be milked for your tax taxes, right? I mean, that's why the state wants both parents working um, because they can get more <laughs> revenue that way. And, yeah. and so, and, and this is the number one complaint. Like I remember in Fort McMurray, uh, there was a problem at, at there's some issue and they had to change the school day. Um, they, they had to eliminate a school day or something like that at one of these schools. Uh, they eliminated Friday and parents were up in arms and what do you think they were up in arms about? Do you think they were up in arms because their ch children were being robbed of a valuable education? No, they were up in arms because now what were they going to do for childcare for Friday, yeah. right? And so it's become this giant childcare system where people that 
don't have the love you have for your child, like a completely soulless and heartless bureaucracy is now raising your children and and it's indoctrinating them with all sorts of crazy stuff. And, and now the big argument is, is not the, should we question the very nature of public school? It's like, what should the sex ed curriculum be? And conservatives get mad because of all this crazy stuff that uh, uh, kids are learning about genders and stuff. But they, and their answer to that isn't that, hey, maybe we ought to abolish this crazy mind indoctrinating system it's no you ought to teach them conservative stuff they, they see it as a tool of indoctrinating well, like we ought to bring prayer back in school and the pledge of allegiance and all these kinds of things that will make our country better so conservatives are no better than progressives they see it as a tool for uh creating the kind of citizenry they would like to see right and, and yeah. both statists both types of statists um contribute to this problem as far as i can tell yeah, and I think, I mean, I think it's leaching out into, univer like, it's definitely leaching into universities as well, but I think, like, off, like offloading the need of, tra of teaching your kids how to be good humans, like, that's the fundamental issue, right? Like, my friend um, and I were talking about what is the, like, either education or art, one of the two things has to, like, wake people up, and it's, like, hard, because if you don't have well-educated people, they can't produce good quality things, right? No right. one's producing anymore because they've just been taught to consume. So now they, now they graduate or whatever and they just sit in front of their computer and consume, consume, because they've never been taught to produce, to think, to be right. creative. Um, and then on top of that, like, now that, uh, you know, the same way parents would offload, you know, let's say general knowledge to the state, they used to offload morality to the church or whatever. And sure. so that, as that's collapsed, now we have people who don't know about morality at all because, you know, we, we don't trust um, we don't trust the public system to teach about that. Thank God. But they're not getting it anywhere now. Um, and so the whole. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. And, and um, you know, the, the, you just have to look at a child. Right. And any of you out in the audience who are parents, you'll recognize that your child uh, from age zero to the age five or six, they are learning machines. They are curious, right? Toddlers, you know, apparently uh, 90, 95% of like three or four year olds are considered creative geniuses, like would register as that. And by the time you're like 30, it's 5%. Right, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're doing constant experiments and they're asking questions and they're exploring the world and they're learning so much and they want to know more. They want to know more. They want to learn how to read. They want to do all these things. And, and then they hit public school and that, that is all driven from them, right? And they come home yeah. zombies and they just want to play video games and, you know, check out just like we check out when we come home from work kind of thing. Um, yeah. But, you know, I saw an interesting model because I started looking at all these different ways I could educate my kid and I studied the Montessori method and and there, there was a very interesting there, there's two interesting school systems I want to bring up here that I think are, are are of worth noting one was the Lancaster system in England and it was a private school system but it was geared towards uh, lower middle class and poor families right so it was affordable it, it cost very little to send your kids there but the way they cut costs was they, did, they had very few teachers and mm -hmm. so what happened was uh, older kids were then responsible for teaching younger kids and you would get school bucks, I guess, at, at the beginning of the year that you could spend at the confectionery or you could use to hire an older kid to tutor you. Right. So it created a market in the school system to 
be of service to the younger kids. And so you had to know your stuff and you had to be a good teacher. And, and, and teaching is the best way to understand something. Exactly. Teaching is the best way to learn something. Right. Um, and, and so no bullying at these schools. And, and I thought it was a fantastic and an interesting model, private system. Uh, another one was a Sudbury Valley school system, which was started in the U S and there's a few of them springing up here and there. I think there was even one in Edmonton. Um, and, and it has no curriculum at all. It, it's just a, a learning environment, kind of like Montessori, different environments, like a computer lab, a music lab and different things. Kids were free to do whatever they want. And there's no agenda at all. And the teacher, and it's kind of, it's democratic too. It's like you, the four-year-old and the, the principal have the same vote. And at the beginning of the year, they come up with the rules and, and their system of guidance. They all agree to it. They all vote on it. And the kids can actually fire staff members um, if they don't like them. Uh, and they can get together and there's a process to fire staff members. And they call them staff members, not teachers, because they don't believe that that knowledge comes from an authority figure down it, comes from exploring the world the, te asking the, the teachers serve them their staff right so they're staff yeah. and they, they're there to facilitate their learning right and so i remember one kid he was went there in grade nine and he said i i can do whatever i want yeah you can do whatever you want he said for the first year all he did was play video games the whole year right like so this is a parent's worst nightmare see so yeah give your this kid freedom and this is what he's gonna do right the next that's year because that's how you've been trained to behave right the next year he started yeah. he, focusing on his guitar and he really wanted to get good. So him and his buddies started a band and they played a few concerts around the community. And, and that was his primary focus in grade 11. He was like, you know what? I, I, I'm getting close to ending my time here. I, I need to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. And he started, he, he asked a staff member to help him. He was really interested. It turns out in, in biology and, and microbiology, right? So he decided to make it his goal that he was going to go to Harvard. And so they came up with a plan. How, how are we going to get you into Harvard? And so they created this learning portfolio and, and a curriculum. Uh, staff members helped him design it. And he got into Harvard and he was at the top of his class in Harvard. And he attributes the fact that he was self-directed uh, at this school to do that, right? They asked the principal, well, if you don't have a curriculum, well, how, how do kids learn to read? Like, at what point do you get them to read? Or are there kids that don't know how to read at your school? He's like, no, everyone knows how to read. He said, most kids learn to read when they're about five or six. Some, it's as late as seven. But when a child decides he wants to lead, read, he, he figures out how to do it. He'll either go to a staff member or he'll go to an older kid. And, and it takes about two weeks for them to learn to read competently and proficiently. And then they're on their way. There's none of this like year long curriculum of learning your ABCs and yeah. phonetics and everything. It's like you wait till they're ready and wait till they're motivated. And when they're motivated, uh, you help them. And then they're, they learn very quickly. Um, Instead and, of and so, forcing 30 people at a time to have the same schedule, you all have to learn the same right. way. And, yeah. and so what they found was on standardized tests, all these kids who had no curriculum uh, and just set their own path actually did better on standardized tests than public school kids and the biggest difference was when the ones that decided to go to university or post-secondary they were all head and shoulders above their classmates because mm -hmm. they were they had learned to be self-motivated right they weren't serving the agenda of a teacher and when you go to college it's more about self-motivation and self-direction there's no one looking over your shoulder the way there is in public schools and so so these kids because they had that self-discipline and self-motivation did far better uh, so, so those are some systems I would look into if you're looking at yeah. um, alternate systems.
listeners to this podcast get a one-week free trial to the Warrior Path. So sign up now. The details are below. I was coming off a stint in management uh, when I signed up for the Warrior Path, and I was pretty soft. I'm not going to lie to you, David. <laughs> I was uh, out of shape. I was huffing, and I had to come back to the floor, kick indoors, hump hose, fight fire, and I needed to get into shape. And Chad Kirkham at the Warrior Path definitely got me into shape. Uh, you know, I've, I've never felt better, to be honest. And he had an app that tracked the progress. I sent videos to him. Uh, it, was, it was a really slick application, actually. I, I would send videos. He'd correct my form, send me little tips and, and videos. And, uh, and whenever, whenever I needed, he was available. And I'll tell you, I, I put on, I think, about 50% on all my personal records in about a two month period, uh, working with the warrior path, you know, I, I would highly recommend, you know, my biggest regret as a parent is sending my kids to public schools. I've told my kids who are now in their, you know, all in their early twenties. Um, you know, eventually when you have kids and I have grandkids, uh, I'm making it a commitment. Grandpa is going to homeschool them or unschool them, facilitate their learning. Um, yeah. and, and they're going to get all sorts of socialization. We're going to take them to activities where they meet other kids. We're going to, yeah. you know, take them to whatever they're interested in. They're interested in becoming a veterinarian. I'm going to try to set up a, a work co-op for them at, at a veterinary clinic. And they're going to learn that stuff. And, and we're going to yeah. figure out, it, but they're, they're going to be in charge of their education. I'm going to be there to help them and encourage them and stimulate their curiosity, not to tamp it down. And, yeah. and that's my commitment. I believe so strongly in it. Um, you know, it, it's, yeah, it, it's just incredibly sad and shameful that I sent my kids to public schools. It's something that, that I regret terribly. Mm. So I, I would encourage listeners to seriously think about, about this. And, and listen, if you have to downsize your life, if you have to live in a smaller house or in a duplex or an apartment, if you have to drive one car instead of two, if one of you, you know, so that one of you can stay home or, or something, figure something out. Your kids are worth it. it it's not worth um, warping their brain and, and losing that connection with them, um, you know, just to, to follow the rules our masters have kind of laid out for us. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And, and I think another big thing, I mean, like, now we can get in, into kind of like the, the system as a whole and, and, you know, a policy around it, because there's so many other issues with public schooling as well, right? right. You know, I talk to people about how I think that I would want to have a one, like I want to work and I'm hoping that whoever I end up marrying is comfortable to mostly be, you know, a stay at home mom in, with the kids, with the community and start like that more traditional thing. And I'm, I'm a misogynist and all these other things or whatever. And it's like, right. no, if I thought I had the capability to be a nurturing person, like I have a difficult time talking to 10 year olds, right? right? Like I very much aligned with what you said in another episode about um, you know, parents raise good adults. I'm very excited to help guide them once they start being able to have conversations with me. But like I was the five-year-old who was talking to 15-year-olds, 20-year-olds, right? So I'm going to have a very right. hard time relating at that young age. But I think it's important for a parent to be there. So for me, it would fall on my wife. I don't think it has to be all women always, right? But there, this model of, no, you have to have a two-parent household. Work is what gives you value. And there's some quote that like, Homemaker is the uh, ideal profession. All other professions serve to yes. like just serve that, 
right? Yep. And I don't know where this broke that we think that being a mother or a father, being a parent is, is, is somehow worse than, than sitting at a cubicle all day because you're a working person or whatever. Absolutely. Um, and so there's so, and the reason I bring that up as well is because, you know, I have, I have friends who are teachers. I have family who are teachers. And so they're going to, I'm a, I'm a horrible, how dare I claim their, their lifeblood is, is invaluable. Right. And right. and so you, the, the government has such a, especially when it comes to schooling has, but generally has such a good, does such a good job of, you know, this mindset of, I am my work. I, that is like to question any right. part of me is to question my whole existence. And I think that really, really hits home with teachers. No, absolutely. And, and, you know, you know, we, we can separate sin from sinner here, right? Yeah. Um, you know, th these teachers probably have a very valuable skill set that you can tap into that you can say, listen, I, you know, we're going to be homeschooling our kids. Um, I'd like to tap into some of your knowledge. What works for you in terms of teaching? Because they probably, because listen, they, like they, they, are, they, they, they need to, you know, maybe classes of five or consulting, right? You can have a company where you help parents how sure. to best teach their teachers, right? It's again, there's so many other opportunities for a better education system. All right. But I, I want to give a shout out to, to teachers out there who think we might be dumping on them. You know, I think you Not guys do an amazing job and, and you do it under terrible circumstances, right? Like I know you would, you would like to have more freedom to teach what mm. the kids want to learn and, and you can see their curiosity, but you have this mandate from the state, this curriculum, you have to, uh, feed this into them. And, and then you have to deal with behavioral issues because kids like you and I lose interest very quickly and yeah. other kids just act up and, you know, we have to drug them down with Adderall, which is essentially methamphetamine and, and other drugs. Yeah. To, and to like to kids have compliance. ADHD because they're not supposed, eight year old kids aren't supposed to sit in a room for eight hours a day. Right. It's like, yeah. have you ever heard of drapetomania? No. Trypetomania was a psychological condition that afflicted some slaves um, and they would not do work and they would be rebellious and they would run away from the plantation. And so they were diagnosed with this psychological uh, illness, mental illness called drypetomania, and they were prescribed a certain number of lashes and different things to try to cure them. Um, but the, the, the term drapetomania actually said more about the system than it did about the person. That person was probably a healthy person to run, try to run away from slavery and buck yeah. authority. They're oppositionally defiant. We might call them now or, uh, or lack detention or something like that. Um, but, but I mean, you know, I think ADHD is a real thing. Um, but I also oh, it definitely is. It, like I, certainly I literally over, have. Right. It's overprescribed, right. Or it's, yeah. you know, we, we pathologize kids when we should be pathologizing the system and saying yeah. the system is broken, the system is sick. It's not the kids, yeah. but when I, I absolutely agree. Like I think society is sick, not and all of these people. And like, I literally have an ADHD diagnosis that I got as an adult. Like, so, but I, I wasn't the, um, like, that's not the same as every kid just bouncing off the walls when they're a kid. Cause that's what kids do. They have energy. And it's also, that's the other thing. They have this creative energy. They have this force and then we we literally damp it down. We we drain them of their energy because it's too distracting to other students because it's too much to handle and all of these other things. Yeah, ab absolutely. Yeah, it's it is. Um, yeah, it's it, it, it's a sad state of affairs. And um, so, yeah. what's the libertarian policy like? What because right. you know we can't 
abolish all public schools tomorrow the same way right. we can't open borders tomorrow. Yeah, well, I think that this is a fairly easy one, right? Because, listen, you know, our public schools are paid for primarily by property taxes. So it's not it's not a federal issue at all. There's nothing the federal government can really do other than maybe um, stop you know, say well, the say provincial governing universities, yeah. like universities yeah. put out uh, leftist teachers. I mean, almost, I think 95% of teachers um, are, are leftists, right? And mm. that that's just because of the university system and how it, it, it nurtures leftism. And, and, and then it goes into public school, which reinforces it. And, uh, you know, it's a never ending cycle. So we can cut off funding to the universities. But listen, parents have it within their capability to not send their kids to public school like they, they can yeah. just find other options. Right. So the, the only real libertarian option here is is to try to convince parents to uh, do that. Now, there there are interim solutions. So if you're we're looking at a provincial level, um, you know, I think things like school vouchers uh, might be an intermediary step. Right. Where you can. Um, where you get vouchers from the government and that education money follows your child rather than yeah. it goes directly to a school. Right. So, so then yeah. you now create a market where higher performing schools, schools that serve the child's needs or the parents needs, I ultimately, I guess, better um, are the ones that end up getting funded and the ones that don't serve the needs don't get funded. Um, so mm. that, that might be a better system, you know, but, but ultimately I think it has to come down to parents who are committed to, staying connected to their children and not abdicating their responsibility for educating and facilitating that education for their children. Um, they I also, have, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, I also, whatever the solution oh, is, you, ha you have to stay connected to your kids, right? And, and that's yeah. not to say that you necessarily need to teach them or facilitate their learning. You can find someone to do that or you can find a private school. But at least or, you're more engaged or Even a it. public school or whatever. But I, I mean, I just highly recommend you stay involved in your child's life as much as possible. And I just don't see how yeah. sending them away for eight hours a day while you go off to be a tax, be, you know, a tax livestock. And then you come home and you're, you're spent and the kids are spent and you don't have that connection. That, that, that just isn't healthy. Yeah. That isn't how we so properly socialize children. Yeah. And I mean, like I had parents who cared a lot about me and, and they had no idea what was going on in school ever. Cause of I course. wasn't engaged. And even, even in terms of like, the behavior I exhibited at school was so different than the one I exhibited at home. And that is what I then personified in society writ large, because that's what I was socialized with, not my home life. Right. Absolutely. Um, and I think another important thing, like, okay, so there's no like real libertarian policy, but another important thing is entrepreneurship, right? Education is right now, all of the ed tech and all of these startups are all focused on the system that exists, not mm -hmm. building a better system. Right. You really right. need entrepreneurs to tackle this problem and create, uh, you know, you can create great online resource banks. Oh, my and, God. And I'm sure there are some, but well, like, uh, Khan, really Khan focus Academy. on that. Have you heard of Khan Academy? Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, how I got completely through uh, free. linear algebra. You, can, you, yeah. you could essentially get everything you need for like a graduate level degree almost in almost anything for free from Khan Academy. So, so there's yeah. really no excuse for, for needing to get that information from some authority figure. Yeah. But and, I think I, it's I, more of the... I was more talking like, I think like the same way I'm experiencing with podcasting, it's easy to start a podcast, but people want help to do that. So like you need right. consultants, you need yes. people to start breaking down those barriers and, and, yep. and at a human level, like helping figure out what resources are useful, why this is good for your kid. And there's like that intermediary, um, like the service economy needs to hit education, right? And, and right. 
that, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, and, and, and so listen, look how you learned how to podcast, right? So the first thing is I started. You're, interest, you're interested in <laughs> yeah. podcasting. Now you got to work, figure out how I get from A to B, right? Yeah. How do I get there? What are all the steps I need? And what are the skills I need to learn? Now you have to go and learn some skills. You have to learn how to publish. You might have to learn a bit about editing or video editing. Um, you know, and, and it's the same with anything. So if, if yeah. my kid at the age of six tells me he wants to be a vet, okay, let's talk about how we're going to learn to be a vet. How are we going to exactly. learn about animals, right? What are all the steps? Well, I'm going to have to learn some science. I'm going to have to learn some basic biology, some basic chemistry, and we're going to have to figure out how, how uh, bodies and, and biology works. And, and there are yeah. a number of steps we're going to have to learn. We're going to have to learn how to read very well because these books are, have a lot of big words in them. So let's figure out how to read. You know? Yeah, and, and which so is such a there. better model to instill learning in kids and make it exciting because it's built into what they want to accomplish with right. their life. Right. We have this crisis. Oh, look, well. you no, like one, to build... no one does anything they like. Yeah, exactly. Right? Oh, you love you love to build bridges with Lego or build big structures. You, you want to build things when you grow up. You want to build big buildings. OK, sounds like you want to be an engineer. Let's talk about how we're going to learn that. How do we know yeah. which structure is the best? How, what about archways? What about triangles? Well, how do all these yeah. things reinforce and make Where, your Lego yeah. stronger? Now let's learn some math because we're going to have to figure out so we can figure out exactly how much weight we can put on that before we even build it. And here's how we can figure that out. Yeah. Right. By Whereas now it's formats. more so like, oh, you're interested in being a vet. Well, it doesn't matter for the next 10 years. Right. Maybe in grade 11, you can pick, right. pick biology instead right. of physics. Right? You know, like, I, I, I uh, as a paramedic, we had this young lady come do a ride along with us. I think she was in grade 10 or 11. And she talked about how she homeschooled for grade nine. And she said, you know, I finished the whole curriculum, the whole year's curriculum in the first month. And then I was just yeah. kind of bored the rest of the year. And I just kind of did my own thing. Right. Yeah. But yeah, so, that's totally true. Like the stuff they learn in school can be learned so quickly in such short it's time. Stupid. It's, yeah. yeah. Like, so I was in the gifted program in York region. I went to York region district school board. So they have a gifted program. And by coincidence, my class of gifted kids was four to six people. It fluctuated only. So we had a very different education experience. Right, and basically, right. we were kind of allowed to go at our own pace. But really, what ended up happening in the gifted program is we would just do all of the curriculum faster and then have two months at the end of the year where we played games. And we just were outside all like all May and June. We would just do whatever right. we wanted because we finished the curriculum at our speed instead of the regular speed or whatever. Yeah. But there was like very little actual um, value yeah, I mean, we, we are, are held back as hu humans. And uh, just yeah. think about the incredible cost to our culture, to our economy by holding back productive and, members yeah. of society. I mean, like in ancient Greece, it wasn't uncommon to have 12-year-old astronomers, court astronomers, yeah. right? I, I mean, why are we infantilizing people till the age of 25 why, why can't yeah. you know my kids wanted to be productive from day one like they were helping with the dishes doing whatever they could to help out yeah. around the house and you know why not tap into that and, and help them yeah. become more productive sooner and more valuable sooner right cool well uh thanks thanks uh this was interesting and i look forward so, to my kids being educated in a better system that we create together absolutely absolutely keep your kids out of public school that is uh like i said my biggest regret and and we can do better we can do better for our kids